Amen. Uh, you can have a seat. I don't know if you know, but you, you came into a, a, a morning of worship. We got a bunch of songs in the back end. So in the middle here, I'm going to try to get you going because uh, how we worship is going to be really based on our hearts and what we choose to do. Um, so I want to begin in a passage that has nothing to do with our text today. I hope I can find it. Um, let's see. So the, the title for today is The Rest. We're going to talk about rest today. And it's going to be different, I think, than I have thought about it. I hope that you have thought about it. But it's going to be dependent on us. So at Matthew's Gospel, um, he says this. Jesus says this. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So I'm sure you've been paying attention to Mark's gospel here, but uh, last couple weeks we're being asked over and over and over to, to bring things to Jesus based on who we think he is and to give them to him. So and he says here that if Jesus says that if we want to save our life, your life, we have to lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. So you might be wondering why there's a hanging dead plant out in our lobby right now. Um, but there's a reason for it, okay? So it was there over Advent, and it was a beautiful table, right? Greenery, it was gorgeous. But now we're, we're now starting to move towards Jesus was born. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. But now we're moving towards Easter, right? And moving to Lent. And what happens at Easter? He comes back to life. So for weeks now, you're going to watch that thing die. Every time you walk in this church, you're going to see green just falling you're going to see branches. And on Easter, guess what? It's going to come to life. Because that's what happens as we give all these things to him. Life. But it has to, requires losing it first. Okay? So today we're talking about rest. But to get there, for us to find rest, we're going to have to give him something. Okay? All right. So but I have a question first to get you thinking. Uh, I've been asking people this all week. When I say the word rest, what do you think of? the first word that pops to your mind. First word, rest. Think about it. If you have a neighbor, turn to him and just say it. All right, I would ask for you all to share it with me, but I'm not going to have time for that right now. So two things that came to mind for me that I heard a lot. First one was sleep. Right. Problem, we don't sleep a lot. So I learned this the other day. I listened to a sermon. The average American sleeps six and a half hours a night. That includes my children who sleep 11 to 12. So if they sleep 11 to 12, we sleep six and a half. Where is the other end of that spectrum? Two, three, four, not good, right? So we don't really rest. The word that came to my mind is funny. It's vacation. I thought of vacation. I have small children. Who has small children? Has, has had small children? Has lived at all with small children? It's not a, va a vacation is not a rest, right? But so anyways, I, 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 we've all had this kind of, we've all done this before. So I wanted you to think of your own vacations, okay? So this is one of mine. Uh, we went to Colorado with uh, Kelly's family and uh, um, it was awesome, right? Beautiful. I, mean, I had to give a reason to show you my beautiful little ladies. Um, but it's funny, so three in one, right? So we drove across the country with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's not restful, right? And then we got there and, you know, there's 14, 15, 16 grandkids. And lo and behold, someone has hand, hand foot, and mouth. So we all have hand, foot, and mouth. It was, it was awesome. But I don't know if I would call it rest. It was great, but I don't know if it's rest. So as I've been thinking about rest, what has struck me about my, my concept of rest is that it's very finite. 
it's, it's fixed by time. And the amount of time I think I should rest is actually really short. Like if I go on vacation for seven days a year or 14 days a year, well, there's still 358 or 351 more days. I work super hard to get to the vacation. I go to the vacation. <sighs> it's exhausting and fun. And I come home and I start over again. Or I don't sleep. But, but the, I, so rest. What does Jesus mean? So in Matthew's gospel, before the same text as today, we're going to be in Mark 2, uh, Jesus says this. And you'll know it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if I'm wearing a yoke, if I'm yoked to someone, I'm, he's talking about working together. He's not talking about moments of rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest while you live life. So Jesus' concept of rest is not bound by time. One, he's outside of time, but it's not stuck in one place. It's supposed to be a part of all the things that I do. So I'm asking, what is he talking about? What does he mean? So rest is meant to, according to Tim Keller, to restore the diminished, replenish the drained, and repair what's broken. That's what rest is intended to do. So I'm going to tell you what, I would like most days, you ever felt diminished in a day? Have you ever felt drained in a day? You ever felt broken in a day? I think we need to rethink rest. What does it mean to rest? So our passage for today is Mark 2, 23 through Mark 3, 6, okay? We're going to hang out in the middle for just a minute. And then Jesus, I love him, he gives you two tests around it. I always love a good test to see how I'm doing. And he kind of shows us, okay? So we're starting in verse 227. It's the key sentence. I think we have a slide for it. Jesus says this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord. And I underlined it and bolded it. I tried to make it just bigger. Even of, even of the Sabbath. He's Lord even of the Sabbath. So a uh, problem for me as I'm reading this is that I'm not great at Sabbathing. Like we're spending the whole year trying to get better at it as a church family, right? We're ceasing, we're resting, we're embracing, we're feasting. It's every single week. And I was in a staff meeting the other day with other people on staff who this is our job to think about this. We said, man, Sabbath is kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to actually do to put into practice. It's a hard thing. So Jesus like, I'm Lord even of the Sabbath. And I'm like, well, I'm not very good at that anyway. So I guess, yeah, you can have that. I'm working on it, right? But who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to people whose Sabbath was really important. You would say the Sabbath was very holy. It was very set apart. See, their belief is that if they could all Sabbath perfectly, if every single person got the Sabbath right, the Messiah comes. So all things they hope for, all things they long for, the, the life they have envisioned where they're not being taxed, where they're not being ruled by people they don't like, they're free to do what they want to do, all things they could possibly hope for happens if everybody keeps the Sabbath. So Sabbath, I would say, is the most important thing to them. Jesus says, I am Lord, which means I have, I have dominion over the most important thing in your life. If you let me, 
I'll give you rest. I'm like, oh, now that makes a little more sense to me. But what's so sad to me is I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about my own life and perhaps your life. Would it, would, would it ever happen that everybody got Sabbath right? I mean, would that ever happen? No. They had like 39 categories, all these subcategories and all these rules. I think that, it, that one of the rules was if you, you couldn't spit on Sabbath because if you spit, the spit would hit the ground, the spit would roll in the dust, and that would be work. That's a lot of really, really minute rules. No one's going to get that right. Try to tell a two-year-old or a three-year-old, mine like to spit sometimes. I'm trying to tell them not to. They don't listen to me. We're not going to get Sabbath right. It's a hopeless pursuit. It is never going to happen. How sad. The thing that they want more than anything else in the whole world will never really truly happen. They will never actually find rest. So my question for us for the next couple of minutes here is what have I made holy? What have I set apart? Does it bring rest? So at the very end, we're at, we, have, we have a, I really hope you worship today. I really hope you do. They have a beautiful, they're going to bring us somewhere if you're willing to go there. And so we're going to build our life. We're going to, we're going to give it all and then we're going to worship. But the thought here I have is, so I have these bowls up here, all right? I'm moving around a little bit today. And you're welcome to do this. So what I found was, I think about this, was if, let's say that what is in my hands is the most important thing to me because I think I can hold it and I can control it, right? It's mine. I got this. But have you ever tried to hold water for a while? It's kind of hard, right? If you really clench your hands, it kind of stays in. I'm trying hard not to drip. I'm telling you right now. I'm dripping, right? I can't hold it. Drops. The invitation today is to take whatever, and you have to really think about this, the most important thing to you. Look at it in your mind's eye and give it to the source. Because guess what, the bowl, what is it built to do? Hold water. My hands, they're not. So we've been saying for weeks now, Jesus has taken the holiness of the temple where you used to go to be, to be made right, all your sacrifices, all your things, and he's bringing the holiness out of the temple. What, who lives inside of us, right? Holy Spirit. So instead of trying to hold it myself, I can just let it go. And guess what I can do? I can just hold the bowl. It's supposed to hold the water. He'll come with me wherever I go. That's the invitation. So at the end, we're going to talk about how we build in our life. What are we building our life on? What's most important to us? The next song is going to be, Lord, you can have it all. And that's a scary song. At the end, we're going to talk about the day when he comes back. And this is the best day ever. So that's the invitation to you. All right? How are we doing? Is this convicting anybody else? I have had a hard time with this all week. I've been really struggling with this. My wife knows. I've been talking to her a lot about it and making no sense. So does what I have made holy extend, bring rest? And Jesus, I love, he just gives us two really easy tests in the passage. You want to know how you know what's holy? Can you give and can you bring and extend grace? Can you bring and extend mercy? If I can do those two things, perhaps I'm elevating him to the right place. If I can't, there might be something there that this morning you need to just let go of. So let's look at the passage. 
One Sabbath, this is verse 23, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They're accusing him. He answered, have you never read David? And he knew they'd read that. Have you never read when David and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. You know, it's really one thing, just really quick. It's really funny to me to think to try to imagine the Pharisees in a grain field wearing the robes, trying to catch Jesus and his friends doing different things, right? So it's, it's Sabbath. They're supposed to be at church doing what I'm doing right now, and they're not. They're in their robes, chasing Jesus, trying to find out what he and his buddies are doing and where they're wrong. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't say that they are wrong. But he, what he does say to them is, are you asking the right questions? Because in Deuteronomy, Jesus and his friends are not wrong. As long as they're not using a sickle, they're good. But Exodus, it says, well, you know, six days you work, seven you don't. On the seventh, not even if, especially not in the seasons of like plowing and reaping, getting food, like you can't do anything. So who's right and who's wrong? And Jesus is like, I don't know if you're really asking the right question. Because Jesus is after what? Our hearts. He's like, you see, you remember this priest? You guys know David, the son of David. You guys talk about David all the time. You know the story. The priest whose job it is to protect the temple, to explain this life with God, to protect the Sabbath, because it's really important, it really is, to cease and rest, embrace and feast. But he, instead of, you know, his job, can say, but man, they are hungry. So he gives them a gift. Grace is a gift. He gives them the gift of food. Because he has the ability to separate. That, yeah, that's, that, you know, that is, I'm trying to think about us in like a normal day. You're at your job, at your school. Like I have all these things I have to do. But if I know how to, if I'm walking with the Lord, if I understand his heart and who he is, if I, I think if I've learned to cease, rest, embrace, and feast on Sabbath, it spills into my week. And I can, in the middle of my work week, in the middle of my day at school, I can cease. I can see somebody. I said, they, man, they need somebody to go talk to them. They need a hug. They need a smile. They might need a meal. They might need me just to listen to them. And I can stop like Abathar and say, yeah, I'll show them grace. I will give them the gift of my time. That's the one thing we all have the same amount of is time. What a kind thing. So Jesus, testing, what have you made most important? If you've made me most important, guess what you'll do? You'll get your, don't shirk your responsibilities. You'll do those things. But you'll value a person, people, your family, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your coworker over. I just got to get this done, get this done, get this done. You can't do that. You can't touch that. It's my thing. It's mine. We'd be able to release those things. And when we release those things, what do we have? We're not anxious. We don't worry. <sighs> We can enjoy the day. Enjoy the moments, like we talked about in Ecclesiastes. Right? Jesus goes on. Another time, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand 
was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath because his hand was shriveled, but that was not life-threatening. So that means that uh, he couldn't ask for it to be healed on Sabbath. It had to be on a different day. So they were watching to see if he would do it. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. I always wonder what it would be like to be that guy. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, save life or to kill? But they remained silent. You know, what's interesting about that question Jesus asked is he asked them their own question. So in, that, in their line of teaching, to decide what we should and shouldn't do, the question was, which way preserves life? It's mercy. Which way preserves, extends, gives the opportunity for new life? Right? It's like we're talking about sanctity of life Sunday, womb to tomb. We're seeing the person from conception all the way through. That's what Jesus sees them. We don't neglect them at any point in time. He said, would you show mercy? They remained silent. So he looked around at them. Really quick. So one commentary I read said he thinks that Jesus stood there and looked every person in the eye. Like, can you imagine this moment? Will you extend mercy? He got really mad because they said nothing. And then he became really sad, which is how sometimes I love that. That he just, man, just grieves him when we choose to not extend grace and not extend mercy because he knows how much it hurts and how long it hurts. So would you extend mercy? They won't. So they call it the unmiraculous miracle. He says, just stretch out your hand. That's it. Didn't touch him. He doesn't actually do any work. He actually obeys their laws that they're worried about. He does nothing that he shouldn't do. But they're so mad at him that the religious and the irreligious try to kill him. Because this idea, apparently, of seeing people, of extending grace and extending mercy at the detriment of yourself is so offensive, the Pharisees and the Herodians want to kill him. So I have the band come up. So we have three songs. You can choose how you want to respond. Is he worthy of worship? Is he worthy of praise? Do I want to give him my most important thing? Whatever that is. Fundamentally, I think it's me. I think I think I'm most important. But it manifests in all these different ways. My job, my school, my sport, my kid, my spouse, all these things. And we make them something we try to I don't know. Control it? Yeah, we can. You can try. It just slips through your hands. There is no rest. Rest is releasing, still loving, 
still caring, right? Showing grace, showing mercy, pursuing people, doing your job. God loves work. You work six days. That's more than most of us, right? Loves all those things. But he's saying, you have to give them to me. If you give them to me, I'll give you rest. You can enjoy your day. You can enjoy your kids. You can enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. I gave you all those things. Those are good gifts. I was struck a while back when we think we're judged solely for what we have done wrong. Like my dad sat in here and said, but there's this whole thought that you get judged for what you did not enjoy too. Give all those things to Jesus. He can hold them. So at any point in time in the music, if you want, if you're led, just imagine whatever it is and let it, let it, close your eyes and let it just run through your fingers. It's freeing. Guess what? When your hands are like this, they're like this. You can do things. You know, there's a great line in The Chosen where uh, someone says to Jesus, uh, why heal on the Sabbath? They know he's going to get in trouble. And Jesus' response, I mean, this is made up, but it's really good. He said, sometimes you have to stir up the water. So I don't know what happens if you put your hands in the water. Maybe you do need some sort of healing. He might do that. I don't know. But I think just releasing, there will be healing here and here. And then we can flourish and we can live. Amen? Let's worship.